morning, good morning. Everybody say, what's up, PD? What's up, what's up? Hey, can we uh, say what's up to all our online and cable viewers? Can we give a big hand? Thanks for being with us. We're glad you are here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek. Uh, that's what the PD is, or you can call me Pastor Disaster, or whatever you want to call me. It's all good. Uh, so glad you guys are in church today for No Excuse Sunday. Uh, alias name uh, is Vision Sunday, so we're just going to unpack some of the vision for you. So if you're new to uh, Connect, you get to kind of like listen in and see what we're doing, what we're about, and where we're going, and where we've been. And so that's kind of what today is. Uh, a really important Sunday for people that call this uh, their home church. I use language like family and frequent flyer and fringe. And so people who are family, they're like kind of like we call it covenant. It's really strong language, but like super committed. And then there's frequent flyers who just maybe haven't made that, that jump or that leap. Um, but if you ask them, they say, that's my church. And then the fringe, you're just kind of checking us out. You haven't decided yet. You're, and, and that's cool. We make room for that. You can come in and you can sneak in and sneak out as, as many times as you want. Uh, eventually, I will deck you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we got to make <laughs> be like, what's up? <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, it was fun, uh, fun worship service, huh? Like two songs, what's up with that? But then we just like, you know, beach balls and some old guy up there singing. Like, what's he doing up there? And uh, Anybody there for the worship? Didn't see like pastor up there for a little bit? Like that was, it's been like six years, people people. Like, I was scared. You didn't realize it. I was like, my leg was going, <laughs> I mean, that wasn't like Elvis. That was, I was scared. Or as my little kids used to say, scared. Uh, I was freaking out. But anyway, it's getting, out of, it's getting out of my system. So, all right, you can get your worship guides out, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a bunch of stuff to you, and I'll start with this. Uh, we were singing this song, and Church is Alive made me think of this, but there was a, there was a new pastor, and he was taken over for an old church, an old small church in Oklahoma, and um, he was going to start his first service the following week. So he decided to go meet with all the, the former members or maybe there were still some actual members of the church there. He wasn't sure. He meets all week with them. Took him a week to meet with everybody. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that would take me a little longer than that. But uh, he, he, he met with them for about a week. And then Sunday comes. He gets out on the platform and preaches message. And the place is empty. And he's totally discouraged. And so... Accordingly, he goes to the local newspaper, and he basically puts an article out there saying that the church is dead, and so he's going to have a funeral service, and the funeral service will be the following Sunday. So out of morbid curiosity, hundreds of people came to the service, and while he's out there um, preaching, or I should say doing the eulogy, in front of the pulpit, he's got a coffin. He's got flowers all over it and everything, and he's doing his eulogy, and and when he's done, he basically tells all the people in the audience, uh, now's the time where you can come and pay your respects to the dead church. And so they're like, out of morbid curiosity, once again, they decide to come down and kind of look into the coffin and see what would represent a dead church. And so one by one, they come down one side of the aisle, and then they're all walking away kind of sheepishly and, you know, kind of weird. And, and so um, what they didn't realize was is the pastor had, tilted just perfectly a mirror in the coffin. And it made me think, I'm so glad that I'm a part of a church that's not dead, but that's alive. Come on, somebody. Come on, high five your neighbors, say, church is alive. Come on, high five. Give your second choice a high five. Thank God this church is not dead. Because Christ is not dead, so the church can't be dead either, Amen. I want you to talk back at me today, everybody, okay? So the church is alive. It's alive, and I thank Jesus so much for that, that I don't, I'm not a part of a dead church. In fact, what makes a church alive is our worship. One of the things is our worship. So when we come to church, we come to celebrate, we come to uh, passionately worship our creator in a demonstrative way. You know, we say as a value at Connect, anything you love, it shows. Let's say it like we mean anything you love, shows. All right, kiss your neighbor. No, I'm just kidding. Don't kiss your neighbor. Like, well, maybe I will. <laughs> How are you doing? Um, so anything you love shows. Worship is a way that we demonstrate that our church is alive. Another way we demonstrate our church is alive is prayer. We believe that a, a church that prays together stays together, right? And so we just came out of a season of 21 days of prayer, and it was just a powerful season in our church. And we got to see, uh, you know, prayers offered, prayers answered. 
replies from God and many amazing things that came about as a result of that prayer. Church Alive is a church that gives. Can I have an amen? We give our time. We give our talent. We give our treasure. Uh, last year we gave like crazy. Like I, 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 I literally, and, and I, I don't know how to do this without it, you know, being, being afraid that it's misinterpreted, but I, I sincerely mean this. I think I have the most generous church uh, that I get to lead and pastor. Last year was crazy what you guys did. Uh, we, we did so many things. I can't, I can't do it all today, this morning, but I'll give you one example. Uh, speaking of churches that are alive, we get to participate in planting other churches that are alive. So we're, we're part of an association called ARC, the Association of Related Churches. Some of you have been here a while. You've heard of it. You may not realize this, but uh, last year, 2017, just last year, the money that you gave from, th- to tithe, portion of that tithe is taken and sowed into planting other churches. And last year, we contributed to the planting of 120 churches in America last year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, at, at those churches launched, that means when they kicked off their service, the there were, of those total 120, there were just under 30,000 people in attendance at those 120 churches with an average launch size of 264 people. Uh, last year within the ark, when all the people gave their portion, basically, you know, you can always, we'll talk about this later, but sometimes you think your, 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 your donation, your contribution, your tithe doesn't matter, but when you join with other people, it matters. It makes a huge difference. So last year in the ARC, we're, we're an ARC partner, we gave $7 million to missions. $7 million to missions. So we're part of that. Unbelievable. So, so when I get to heaven, and when you that contribute to get to heaven, that's part of your reward. You're going to meet people up there, and they're going to shake your hand. They're going to say, hey, there was a church down there, and you just served faithfully and this way, and then you served faithfully by giving this way. And because of you, I, I got saved. I, gave, I, I went to a life-giving church that was planted in Phoenix, Arizona, because of what you did. And now my whole family saved. Hey, come here, kids. I want you to meet, you know, Derek. I want you to, he's the guy, you know, the church. That's all going to happen in heaven. The Bible talks about this in the book of Luke. It's amazing. It's amazing, okay? So you're part of that. And so not only are we doing churches kind of, Broad, but we're we're doing we're doing a lot of that here. So I want to give you some announcements. So so this 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 day is about kind of equally informing you, so you can be equally involved. Okay, that's really what it is. Rick Warren used to have this phrase: say equally informed, equally involved, equally involved, equally invested. And so if you want people to be really like vested, committed, feel good about what they're doing, you got to tell them what's going on. So I'm going to tell you what's going on. Okay. So anyway, here we go. So um, a couple things coming up on February 18th. We have our Framingham campus offering, what's that all about? Uh, speaking of giving, um, we had made a decision to sow into, by the way, we don't pass a plate and we don't, uh, you know, P- Pastor Mark and, and Pastor Chris talked about that, which should be refreshing if you're a new person here. So we, we believe in predetermined giving. You come with your offering, you come with your tithe. And so we teach on that and we don't, we're not ashamed to talk about giving, but we don't want you to do it, you know, reactively or guilty or anything like that. So we typically don't take an offering, but when we do, we give all of it away. So we, it could be like a catastrophe in an, or, you know, some kind of issue in another part of the world, or it's some kind of a miracle offering, or it's something big that we're doing. We think that having a baby is a big deal. And so, and so we're, 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 um, we're taking another offering. Our first offering was uh, at the end of last year, and we were planning to do three, but you guys did so good. Uh, that we're only going to take one more, only as an opportunity. Let me, let me clarif- clarify something. We don't need it. You don't have to do it. It's just an opportunity. And, and, and here's what's cool is all I do is I just give vision, and the only thing is we can do more, we can accomplish more of the vision if you participate more. So all of that comes in is just going to make what we're doing in Framingham even bigger. It's already going to be awesome, so you don't have to. You get to. And let me tell you something. If you do it with that attitude, God loves a cheerful giver, you'll be blessed, okay? So we're having another offering on uh, October 8th, October, February 18th. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, many of you know, like I said, we're having a baby um, in my house. Uh, I'm going to be a grandfather. And so, yep, that's right. Big Poppy right here. Big Poppy. That's my name. That's my name. You get to name yourself when you're a grandfather. And so uh, the other grandparents are up here somewhere. Where are they? There they are. Uh, but baby Zion's coming, and all we talk about, my daughter's having a baby in July. My daughter-in-law's having a baby in just, you know, a few, just a few short weeks, like 45 days. It's crazy. All we talk about is babies. All we think about is babies. All you can see is babies. It's all-consuming in our household. But it's the same way in our church right now, because all we can think about is... 
we're launching a baby in Framingham. We're starting a new church, a baby church, and there's nothing better than being around babies. You know what I mean? Why do people like, when they go to the hospital, where do they love to go? The maternity ward. You know what I mean? I love to get around a baby. You just get that little thing and you just sniff, sniff its little necky. You know, it's like a fountain of youth, you know? It's like, I think I just got younger from that breath, you know? Unless they pooped. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but all we're thinking about is babies, babies, babies. And so we're launching a campus on March 11th. Everybody say March 11th. So that's a huge day in the history of our church. It's our first campus. We believe that we're going to launch seven campuses in 10 years. I declare. I declare in Jesus' name. Are you going to get behind me on that? Amen. I'll say this. It's, it's only possible with you. It's only possible. So we'll grow at the rate of your participation, and we'll never let vision outpace resources, financial or, or human. But that's our vision. That's our vision. It's seven campuses in 10 years. Amen? So on the 11th, we launch. Soft launch. Why do I have that in there? Because that's the service you can go to. <laughs> so I'll be preaching here on March 4th. I'll be preaching here on March 11th. But the services on March 4th in Framingham, if you want to go, do you want to check it out? That would be the better one for you to go to. Please don't all of you go, because then I'll just be preaching here by myself. <laughs> but on the 11th, please don't go. Here's why I don't want you to go, because it skews the impact. We want to see how many people we reached in the Framingham area. We don't, if you, and on top of that, I'm just going to say this also. I believe if you go, we won't have room. Because we did a big, big mailer. We're doing outreaches. We've got a lot, a lot going into that particular day, and we have a capacity. In fact, on Easter, we're going to go for two services in Framingham on Easter. We'll have seven experiences on Easter between here and there. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So, everybody, 3-4 soft launch. Say, that's when I can go. Okay. But I can't go here. Say, I can't go here. All right. Got it. All right. Here's another cool thing that's going on at Connect. Um, unprecedented. We're having an ordination service of four pastors out of Connect, okay? Four pastors. Uh, when, when, when the flock grows, you need some more shepherds, right? And, um, and, and, and if, you don't, if you don't, you know, have shepherds and sometimes we don't get the equipping, one of the purposes and, and, and responsibilities of a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we just got a lot of saints running around here and we just need some more pastors. And so we've the pastors are already here. We just want to ordain them. It's a spiritual uh, transference that takes place, kind of an anointing and appointing uh, service. And uh, there's a lot. It's really, really cool. It's going to be our Sunday night service. So it'll be 5.30 p.m. on 228. Uh, pastor Mark, our, our campus pastor for Framingham. Pastor Chris, our campus pastor. Uh, excuse me. Pastor Mark, our campus pastor for Ashland. Pastor Chris, our campus pastor for Framingham. Uh, Jerry Schertzer, uh, who's our executive director. Um, you know, just be nice to him. He's wearing an Eagles shirt today, so that's a problem. Uh, I told him I might not ordain you now. Um, and then he'll be ordained as well, maybe. And then, and then the fourth thing is my son, Devin Joshua Fry, will be ordained as well. So we have four pastors, unprecedented in the history of our church. That'll be happening on 225. So cool. Okay, so you can get your worship guides out. I'm going to talk to you about the vision of our church. This is taken from one of the most popular uh, verses in the Bible on vision. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It basically says this. If my people, if people can't see, you can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are what? They're most blessed. So let, let me, we'll, we'll use football today. In, in, a, in a way, Jesus is the shepherd of our souls, but I'm the under-shepherd, so I'm like the quarterback. If I call the play and we don't know the plays, everybody runs everywhere. And so vision is so important because when you call a play, everybody's got to be going in the same direction. It's fourth and inches, we're getting ready to do this, and people run the opposite direction. Uh, you know, it's co you're in basketball, you tip the ball, and somebody goes the other way and scores a layup. I've actually coached those kids. Uh, it's not good. So um, we want to make sure you guys all know the direction we're going. We want to make sure the vision is clear to you today. Um, and that's what really this is all about. Let me give you a little history, though, before we get into the logistical of things. Um, this church, for those of you who've been here only a little while, it's actually almost 40 years old. Some of you may not realize that. Um, my daddy started it. My daddy is the founder kind of the, the grandfather, the spiritual grandfather uh, of this ministry. He was a... Uh, he was a pioneer. He was a starter. Um, there, was no, there was no church planning organizations. There was no, you know, uh, systemic methods to follow, no, no other people to go to. He didn't know how to do it. He just had faith. That's it. 
did everything by faith, and we started a church uh, with 19 people, including babies in the womb. We counted those back then, and we still do. <laughs> you just don't know it. Um, is that a twin? Or is, okay, because we like to add one more. <laughs> so he started the church, and um, but about 16, 16 years ago this May, I was installed as the first uh, you know, successor and installed as the senior pastor. Believe it or not, this May, I'll be 16 years the lead pastor of our church. Back then, I know that crazy. You're probably like, there's no way he's that old. You're right. You're right. You're right. Found a youth baby. Sniffing them babies. Um, but our, our church used to be named differently. It used to be called Metro West Worship Center. And it's because we had other things underneath it. We still do. We had, we have three, my daddy started child care centers, three child care centers we have, and one's right next door and a couple another, a couple other towns. And we have a private Christian school that my wife is the, the principal of, or I like to say the headmistress. Come on. Just, just sounds sexy. Anyway, I can do that. She's my wife. Um, and then we have, um, we have a mission in the Dominican Republic also. We call it Hope Center where we just uh, we sponsor uh, 150, soon to be 180 children down there. And uh, he started all that stuff. And so he was kind of the starter and, and kind of the David. And I'm kind of, this is not perfect, but I'm kind of like the, the song. I'm like the builder, okay? And so my, I feel like my responsibility is to take it. God's given, you know, a lot to me to steward, and I need to take it to the next level and be faithful with that. Luke 16 says, when you're faithful in that which is another man, God will give you your own. And so that's kind of the story, a little bit of the background. Um, but in 2011, I was actually on a retreat. Um, interestingly enough, it was in Alabama. Um, it was at my, in my in-law's house. People say, what kind of retreat is that where you go to your in-law's house, you know? And I actually have a good relationship with my in-laws. We call them in-loves. And, um, and so they had the, the whole basement floor. Basically, I was just able to be down there and pray and think and talk to God. And in, in April of 2011, at 2.30 in the morning, I woke up in the middle of the night, and God gave me the vision for Connect. And it was, it was supernatural. We had just gone through a, a bunch of attempts in our, by, by man to try to figure out what the vision and the direction was going to be under new leadership. But it really all came from God, just so you know. And I, I got the name. At the time, it was Connect Community Church. I got that name. I got some of the values, which are still a part of our, our structure and strategy. Uh, but, but, but I got this picture. And I just kind of thought I'd share this with you. Some of you haven't heard this maybe in a long time. But I got a picture uh, of, of a power cord. And I saw um, power cord, and I'm like, God, what is that? And he says, that's people. And people need to be connected to a source, and they need an outlet for what goes through that source to others. People are power cords. They need to be connected to God. They need to be uh, connected to a purpose. Your job is to connect people who are disconnected from God and disconnected from their purpose. Is everybody tracking with me? That's what he showed me. And so we've kind of simplified the, just not only our name a little bit, but we've simplified our vision so that it could be transferable, it could be memorable, it could be portable, because I'm not the only person with vision. You, as, if you are a part of this church, you are a vision carrier. Everybody in here has the responsibility to carry the vision of Connect. Can I get an amen out there? Okay, so I, I kind of want to show you the vision, okay? So when a vision is... We exist to connect the disconnected. I have a conviction, and I want you to hold this conviction too, that people are disconnected in some way at some level. They may be totally disconnected from God, or maybe they're connected to God, but they're not connected to their purpose. And in the in-between are these different disconnections that I think we have a responsibility through the church to heal and fix and transition and transform people's lives. It's a process. It's not a program. And so we want to create a process for that to happen. But we exist to connect the disconnect. Let's say that together. We exist to connect the disconnected. How many of you say that's an easy vision to remember? Okay. So I want you to put that to memory. I want you to, people say, what's the, what's the vision? Of we just connect disconnected people. We connect people to God. We want to connect people to their purpose. You can, you can fill in the blanks that well, we connect the disconnect because people are disconnected in some way at some level. And so our purpose, this is, this is kind of what we're trying to do. We want to take people on a life-changing spiritual journey. That's our purpose. Now, what, what's behind that? This is a conviction that I have as well, that people's hearts can be changed in a second. In other words, people can make a decision of the will, but will it stay up the hill a little later? 
Will it hold fast? A lot of times it doesn't. Or a lot of times the transitions or changes are a process. Very few people have, and I'm going to get biblical on you, a road to Damascus experience where they're walking one day and God calls, you know, you know shines a light on them. And, and Paul said, I was one abnormally born. He, he has a conversation with God and then he's just radically changed. He does a 180 in his life. Most people don't do 180s. Most people make decisions. There's quite a few 360s going on before they start going in the right direction. It's a a process. So your heart can be changed in a second, but your life is changed, we say, in a system. Your heart can be changed in a moment, but your life is changed over many moments in the context of real relationships where there can therefore be real change. Does that make sense to everybody out there? Say, this is good preaching, Pastor. Oh, the sincerity that just overwhelms me. And so, so our job is, we're, we're, the Bible says, through the church, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, through the church, the, the, the manifold wisdom, that's the full gospel, is made known to people. So we feel, I feel as your pastor, that it's the church's responsibility to show you some of these things, to reveal to you a path that we're supposed to be on to get to that place where, if we're not connected to God, but at the end of the day, making a difference, uh, fulfilling a purpose that God has for us. Amen? And so we do that in the context of relationships. We come together and we encourage one another. And, and it says in Hebrews, we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. A lot of people are not experiencing that. And that's some of why we gather corporately like this. And that's some of why we gather in small groups as well. So how do we do that? Like, what's our strategy? So... Um, let me go through. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give you four things we do. I'm going to give you like the commercial version of it. I'm basically going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you what I told you, and I'm going to tell you again. Because I want you to walk out of here knowing our vision, our purpose, and the four things we do. That's, that's the plan for the day. Okay? Is everybody tracking? So, so I want you to know the four things we do because I want you to know your next step. I want you to know where you're at on your spiritual journey. And these four things that I'm going to show you are all over the Bible. We've kind of distilled them into terms that anybody can understand and anybody can give away. It's all over the Bible in the Old Testament, in the, in the story of, of the Israelites, Exodus from Egypt, and it's all over the place in the New Testament in multiple, multiple places. And so we're going to break it down, make it super simple. The first thing that we do of the four things is we want to help people know God. Everybody say, know God. No. Now, we're not talking about, just to be clear, some of you this like, I get it, but it's not about know God in your head, it's about know God in your heart. We want people to have a personal, intimate, powerful, uh, reality relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so we, wanna, we want people to be introduced to Jesus so they can establish this relationship. In John 17.3, the Bible says, this then is eternal life that they might know me, Jesus Christ. And so... Eternity isn't when you die. Eternal, eternal life isn't just when you die. Eternity begins when you know Jesus. Because you're going to know him forever from that point forward. He wants to establish a relationship with you now, not just when you go to heaven. Okay? So this isn't just get a fire insurance card and then live your life the way you want, do what you want. No. God wants to be in relationship with you right now. He wants you to know him right now. That's the secret sauce really to growth. Then the next thing is he wants us to find freedom. Everybody say, find freedom. This has to do with the areas of your life that hurt so badly, kind of the bumps and bruises. And, 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 and this is the place where you know, you know because of your relationship with God that there's places in your life where you're disappointing God. In fact, you're disappointed in yourself. You don't like it. You, you know God doesn't like it, but you, you don't even like it. It's very common that this happens. And erroneously, people think, I've got to get all of this worked out before I can know God. This is what most people conclude out there when they look in here. They think, look at all the church people have in church. You know, all the good people have in church. No, no, we're broken, busted. We're we're imperfect just like you. We're just the perfect church for imperfect people. We're just in here working it out. We just figured out that it's in relationship with God that we can begin to find freedom and in relationship with others that we begin to find freedom. So you don't get to change your life then get to God, you get to God, and then you change your life. That's good preaching. That's good preaching, everybody, okay? So, so amen. So once you find freedom, then what happens is it's kind of like, I can see clearly now. I'm sorry, there's going to be a lot of that today. 
because uh, I was singing and it just lights me up. Okay, so um, we, can find, we can discover our purpose. You know God, you find freedom, then you realize something. There's just like this revelation that comes over you. You realize you're, not, you're, you're, you're here on purpose for a purpose. You're here on purpose for a purpose that God has for you. God's designed you to do something, to do something special. And suddenly, you don't look through the rearview mirror, which is what we were doing before we knew God. When, you, when people don't know God, they're always, looking at, they're always looking at their past. They're always looking in the rearview mirror. They're always consumed by their yesterdays. When you figure out and you, you, that God has a purpose for your life, suddenly you're, you're looking through the windshield. You're looking through the lens of tomorrow. Everything's different. You're looking, you realize God has a hope and a future for you, as it says in, in Jeremiah. Amen? Then when you realize that, you realize he gave me certain things to do something, and that's the call is to make a difference. To make, everybody say, make a difference, okay? I hope you get this, but you were created to do something bigger than yourself. You just, you just were. It's, you're always... You're always, um, when you look at the Bible, you're always going to see that God always wanted to do something with a people, not just with a person. And so, so I, I've said this before, but I want you, I want you to remember this, these, these humorous analogies. Sometimes it helps you remember, but we're not called to be lint-picking Christians. Oh, my gosh, I get a problem. Oh, there's another problem. 17 problems today, and, and just lint-picking. You just spend your whole life lint-picking. Oh, my gosh, my shirt's unbuttoned. See that? I'm going to spend time on myself for a few minutes here, everybody. <laughs> limp pickers. God hasn't called you to be a limp picker. He's called you to be a Christian leader that's leading other people to know God, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, to make a difference. That's where you'll be blessed in the process. Amen? So we're not called to do that. All right. So when you realize you're here to make a difference, here's what happens is the enemy tries to come in and spoil the whole thing, and this is what he does. When I don't see God's vision for my life, I'm in danger of, of settling for an earthly counterfeit. And this is what happens to people, and, and, and I've been guilty of this in, the, in my past life. Uh, many of you have been guilty of this. Maybe you're in this still, or we're, it's kind of a deception that comes over us. But everything the devil does is a counterfeit of the original. Everything the devil does is a counterfeit of the original. And everything he offers, he always overpromises and underdelivers. He promises you everything, but in the end, he takes everything from you. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. That's what he's trying to do. And so he tried to do it even with the Son of God. In Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4, he's tempting Jesus. And if you'll bow down to me and worship me, you know, I'll, I'm going I'm to give you the kingdoms of this world. And, and Jesus, Jesus knew the counterfeit. He said, I worship God. He's way above you. Uh, well, if you, you know, if you throw yourself off this, you know, it, they'll pick you up. I'm not going to tempt God. And he goes through the whole thing, and he just, God, Jesus knew and modeled for us the, the, the real so that we didn't become subject to, submitted to, or surrendered to the counterfeit. But the enemy always offers a counterfeit, and the counterfeit is the exact opposite of the four things God's trying to get us to do. And so he tries to get us to know me. Me, 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 You know, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me, Derek. I'm coming back every day. Right? It's all about me. We live in a world where the devil's so sneaky about this. And think about just, I don't know, last 10 years, we live in this, this selfie generation. Right? It's just like. You know what I mean? We get up in the morning, the first thing we do, look in the mirror, it's like, hey, how you doing, me? You know what I mean? And you spend time on me, look at me. Maybe in the mirror, take a picture of me. I mean, we're looking at a mirror of me. We're going to take a picture of me in the mirror. Like, I mean, it's so me, 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 me. It's unbelievable. It's me, 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 me. Just constantly me, me, me. And then me, me, me begins to take over me. Before you know it, I'm depressed. And then I'm in a counselor's office and I'm, in a, I'm getting secular counseling. They're saying, you know, um, what, how can I make me happy? You know, this is, this, is how, this is how you can be happy. I want to make sure the me in you is happy. And the whole, all secular counseling is about, it's all meistic. Humanistic, meistic counseling. And so the enemy's just trying to mess you up by offering you a counterfeit. And if you keep going down this me, 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 me road, ultimately what happens is the next thing they try to do instead of find freedoms, find fame. You know what I mean? It's like find fame, fame, make a name for myself. Oh, I can remember this when I was younger. I mean, I just, I'm going through like muscle magazines and I'm going through Sports Illustrated and all these things because I want to be famous. 
Come on, you've all, don't look at me like I'm the only one that's gone through this. You all have these things where I just want to, I want to make a name for myself. I want to be, I want to be known. You know, find fame, make a name, and, 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 and make something of myself. And in the process, what happens is we take that up a notch. If that's going to happen, I need to discover a platform. I need a place where I can do this. Where, where can I display me and what I've done? I want to create a kingdom unto myself. I want to be king of the hill. I want to be large and in charge. I want to be the top. I want to be the head and not the tail. That's what, that's what the enemy is offering for you in the process. It says, once you, once you find fame, once you discover a platform, oh, now you're going to make a dime. Now, now it's, in fact, you had a dollar, and in the end, you only had a dime. But let's just say that you made money. You made a fortune. But what did you lose? What did you sacrifice for what you gained? The enemy didn't tell you that. You had all the money in the world, but you lost your wife, and you lost your kids, and, and you lost the respect of your friends, and maybe even got wealth but lost your health. This is the counterfeit life that the enemy, the enemy offers us, and we need to follow the, the, real, the real life that Jesus has for us. Amen? This is a process that the enemy is trying to take everybody on, and the church of Jesus Christ needs to take everybody on a different journey, a different place. Because when you, when you don't have that original vision, then the counterfeit will get in the way. And so we offer you something different. And I prayed this prayer for you from Ephesians chapter 1. Look at this with me. Paul's praying, and he's talking to the church at Ephesus, and he keeps, I keep asking God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, clarity. I want you to see what's really going on. This is what's happening in this world. We, we're, we're citizens of another kingdom. We need to live by a different order. And I want you to be able to see that clearly. I want you to have vision about that and revelation about that so that you may know him better. Somebody like, I already know him. Well, you need to know him better. I know him too, but I want to know him better. So part of what we're trying to do is help people know God. But for those, when you do know God, part of the church's job is to provide environments where we can, in ways where we can know him better, right? We want to know God better. So then it go on and it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart... That's interesting language. I actually think it's brilliant language. The Apostle Paul's saying, the eyes of your heart. I thought the eyes were on my head. No, he's saying, the eyes are in your heart. In other words, what, I, what I'm looking at, every, everything I see, if you were standing here, you'd see the same thing. Everything you're seeing, if, if you were sitting there looking at, if, you know, looking at me, you'd see the same thing. We all see the same thing, but we all interpret it differently because of the eyes of our heart. So depending on the condition of our heart and what's going on there, the relationships we've had, the experiences we've had, the religious experiences we've had, the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups, all that kind of stuff is affecting our heart. And so God wants to heal that part of you by knowing him better. Then you'll be enlightened, may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope. Remember that word hope, to which he has called you. So hope, interesting, and called are connected. See, people are looking for hope. There are people out there that don't have no hope. You might even be here and you feel hopeless in certain situations. Your hope is connected to your calling. When you realize and come to the conclusion and find out what your calling is, you'll have hope. And guess what? Then you'll still have problems. Say, Pastor, I wish you could be more positive. I'm positive. You're still going to have lots of problems. But you're going to have hope because you're living in your calling. And you're going to be doing things that matter. You're going to be doing things that make a difference. And you're going to be able to handle it. You're going to be able to handle it. You're going to be like Justin Bieber. I can handle it. I can handle it. Okay, sorry. You don't know that song. It says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's, that's living a life of significance. It's not heaven. It's making a difference now. There's an inheritance for you, changing people's lives, seeing succession, seeing things that are transferred from you to another person, to another person, making disciples who make disciples. That's the inheritance that God has for you. Ooh, this is good preaching. Amen, amen, amen. So here's what, go, here's what happens. I want to back the vision out now. So I kind of just did a commercial. Now I want to just kind of give you what, is it, what does it look like if the end game, the real win, if real life is... A, a life that matters, a life that's making a difference. And here's the, fir here's the first thing. We, we're, we're called to make a difference. All right? And again, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you what I told you. I'm going to tell you again so that you walk out of here like, I know the vision, which is to connect the disconnected. I know the purpose is to take people on a life-changing spiritual journey. And I know the four things that we're called to do. 
And so I want, I want you to get excited about this, about this whole idea of making a difference. If you look back, if you've been active, if you've been involved in this local church, I guarantee you, you've experienced the rewards of making a difference. And, and, and if you want to feel that reward, you just got to get involved. You just got to get connected to your purpose. It makes such a huge difference. I love to see people make a difference. I love, I love knowing last year some of the things that we were able to do as a church. It's actually been amazing. But one of the most rewarding things you can do is help somebody. I mean, sociologists have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years. And, and finally, they've come to certain conclusions, the same ones that Jesus came to in John chapter 15. Um, it says this in verse 8. Jesus speaking, says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. That means live a productive life, kingdom life. A kingdom life. We've talked a whole month about the kingdom. God wants you to live a productive life, a life that matters, a life that's making a difference. So that what? Here's what happens in the process. Verse 11 says, I told you this. I told you all this. So that you might, you have joy. It may be what? Outside of you? No, that's the counterfeit life. Joy outside of you. God provides a joy that's in you. So when you're making a difference for someone else, you're not only helping the someone else, you're helping you. Your joy is complete in the process. That's what God has for you. That's the real life that God has for you. Amen? And so you can do things that make a difference, and it makes a difference for them. That's why when people go on a missions trip, uh, I highly recommend that at one time in your life, you get out of your comfort zone, you go to another part of the world, and you serve people. It'll literally change your life. All of my kids, it was, you know, if they didn't sign up for it, we would have sent them anyway. Because it changed their life. And they would go, kind of like scared, nervous, whatever. They'd come back. Listen, all of my kids didn't want to come home. They said, we're so excited to see you right now, mom and dad. But honestly, we don't want to be here. Because it changed their life. That's just a snapshot of what we can do in the local church every single week. If we create margin to make a difference. To be used by God. So we can see the joy of the Lord completed in us. Amen. And secular sociologists, they call this... Uh, they call it transcendence. It's the highest uh, level of the human condition. Human living is transcendence. And distilled, it just means my life matters. I went to bed knowing my life mattered. I wasn't just, I wasn't just you know, a number. I wasn't just somebody out there. But your, for your life to matter, for it to be successful, it has to be connected to a cause. And this is the thing that, this is a little, I'm just tinkering with your thinking. You're like, I know, I need, I need to do something that matters. Okay, but I do do something that matters. Listen, the only thing that matters is something that's eternal. So I want to challenge whatever, I'm doing things that matter. Yeah, but are they building your own kingdom or are they building the kingdom of God? Are they taking people out of hell and populating heaven? Are they taking people from living meaningless lives to life of meaning? Are they taking people from selfishness to servitude? What are you doing that makes a difference? And it's through the local church that we're doing things that have eternal cause connected to it. It's not social justice, it's eternal justice. Amen? And so we got to come together for that. And when we come together with others to do something, it matters. It makes a big difference. You take your time, connect it with somebody else's time, and we launch churches. You take your portion of resources, and you connect it with other people's portion. I gave just a certain amount of money, but when we all gave, we gave $90,000. Let me tell you something. That can make a big dent in the, in the kingdom. Lots of people are going to be affected because of that. Because of that, our reach just through our mailer was just twice as big as it probably could have, would have been if it wasn't for everybody taking their part, joining with others to make a big difference in the kingdom of God. You need, for it to be successful, it should be connected to a cause. For, for it to matter, we, for my part to matter, we got to come together with other people in the process. And so I don't care how much influence or affluence you have, you'll never do more by yourself than you can do with other people. And now you're doing something that matters. Number three, write this down. Discover my purpose, okay? Hopefully you guys are getting this inside of you. We're just back in the vision now. In your purpose was already placed inside of you. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, the Bible says so. In fact, in Psalm 139, God said this. He created you. And in your, he created my inmost being. In other words, inside of you, he put your intellect your, your, certain, your intellectual capacities, he puts your a certain skills and aptitudes for skills. He puts your passion and motivations. He, he puts your personality style. He created you. He designed you for a specific purpose. 
say, how do you know that? Well, it's not in your notes, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, you are, you, editorially, not just one person, everybody, in, in relationship with God, are a, a masterpiece, a workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do, to do, to do, to do what? To do good works. And then it says, which he prepared in advance for you to do. So in other words, even before you, you were formed in your mother's womb, God created, he said, I've got something for Derek to do before he even came to be. I said, wow, what are we, that's crazy. I know, it's awesome. So we got to figure out, what is that to do when I, as soon as I come to be, part of the awesome journey of this life is, now I'm here, what was I to do? That's what really everybody's trying to answer, and they're filling it with a counterfeit life instead of the real life in Jesus Christ. So you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. This is what God has for us. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. So he has a life story already written out of. And you might have lived a bunch of chapters already. You might have done a bunch of things that you wish you didn't do. But God has the final chapter. And he has many things that he still wants to do for you. And he's ordained it before time even began to do something great for you. I don't care what the narrative was spoken over you, maybe by your parents or some coach or some boss. They spoke some negative narrative. I just speak over you. God's best days are ahead for you. And there's a purpose inside of you to do something great. Amen? See, because the world's trying to tell you something that's a lie. You're not one in a you're not just one in a million. You're unique according to the scripture. You are special. You have you're a 10 in some area. You're a 10 in an area that I'm not a 10. I think this is communication is one of my potential 10 areas. I'm in development. I believe I can get better in this area, but God created me to express things with my mouth. You were created to do something that's a 10 area. You need to find and get it, that, that unique and that special place. You were created not as one in a million. You were created as one of a kind. Come on, somebody. You were created as one of a kind. Just, just speak that over yourself. I'm one of a kind. Come on. I confess in Jesus' name. I am one of a kind. Amen, amen, amen. And some of you are like, well, you know, you don't understand my life. It's been pretty banged up and busted. And, and uh, you know, I, I got a lot of struggles and I got a lot of problems. I get that. I get that. That's why this next part is so important because some people, they never get out of this place. They, they never find true freedom. They never get there. In fact, I, I submit to you there are a lot of people in this church. I'm going to be specific as your pastor. There are a lot of people who know God, but they've really never found freedom. And that's why you don't go on to discover your purpose because you think you think you've got to work it out. You're living the limp picker life. But God wants you to figure out how to find freedom. But you find freedom in the context of real relationships. That brings about the real change. So I'm asking you to enroll in relationships. When you get in, for example, a small group, that's not the, that's not the end point. It's the starting point of that. And I'm telling you, if you're a leader here, you've got to get out from behind your fig leaf a little bit. You've got to lead in vulnerability. You've got to create an environment of transparency. I don't care about the curriculum or the topic. I'm asking people to get real. People, people are like, you know, we're living this, I'm blessed, I'm blessed life. How you doing? I'm blessed. You ain't blessed. You cursed all the way to church over your kids. <laughs> I just want to create an environment where you can go to a small group and cuss there. No, I'm just kidding. But sort of. Like, just get real. I remember, I remember hearing about a small group. I'll never forget as long as I live. It was a marriage small group, and people were reading this book, and they're starting the book, and, and, the, and the facilitator went around the room, and tell us about your marriage and how things going. On a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing? 5, 6, 4. This lady, she finally got to a certain place. I don't know, it was like week 6. She stands up. She's got the, I'll tell you how my marriage is. <laughs> Took like 10 minutes, ripped it into just pieces. The leader calls me up and like, Pastor, what do we do about this? And I go, dude, that's awesome. You win. He's like, what, what? I go, you created an environment of transparency and, and people are being real. He's like, oh, oh, I did good? I did good? <laughs> I'm like, yes, you did great. Because you want a place where people get honest. James 5, 16. This is, listen, this is what, this is God's system of healing. It's in relationship. Confess your sins, not to God. If you confess your sins to God, you get forgiven. If you confess your sins to others, you get healed. You get healed. So, so you need to find a place where you can take off the mask and come out and just be like, my marriage is not good. It sucks right now. Sorry, but just being real. It doesn't. My, my marriage is awesome. 
<laughs> we just did a marriage conference yesterday. That would really be bad. And the next day, it sucked. <laughs> move on. Move on, Pastor. <laughs> see, see, you need, but you're thinking, you're thinking, I don't want to go to the group, and I can never get that way. Because it's, it's awkward at first. And some of you need to shop a little bit. You need to call a few people up, you know, and you talk about it. You can tell in just a few seconds. You're just like, hey, tell me about your group. And you, oh, never mind. You know, you just kind of just, just move on. You just shop a little bit more. Maybe you need to go to a group, and it's awkward. Why is it awkward? Because we don't know how to do relationships. My, my kids, when they got out of high school, when they're in high school, we have so many friends. They have so many friends. I go, you don't have friends? You have convenient intersections. Everybody's just in your class. Everybody's just in gym. Those aren't friends. Then they get out of high school. I have no friends. I know, because you have to learn how to be intentional. The best things don't happen by accident. They happen with intentionality. What does that look like? It means you've got to kind of stretch a little bit. You've got to have to get out of your comfort zone. I had to do this with my daughter years ago. I forget if it was Morgan. I think it was Morgan. I was, one of my kids wanted to do gymnastics. And I want to learn how to do those. And I used to teach gymnastics, but I didn't want to teach my kids because I thought I'd get angry. And so I decided to put money down, take one of my kids to gymnastics. So I take Morgan to gymnastics. We, 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 she's all excited. She's la 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 la. She's so excited. She can't wait to go to gymnastics. And we get to the class and, and go to this window and I pay money, big money. <laughs> and, then, and then we get around the hallway and we go out and there's this huge room gymnastics room. And there's balance beams and there's rings and there's, there's hoop-de-loops and there's mats you jump over and all these kids are running around. And, and I'm like, okay, okay, go. And she turns around and she goes, and she just goes, Kish! she just clings to me like a koala bear in a koala tree. And she, I'm like, yeah, yeah, just get off me. No, 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 I can't go out there. I go, I go, Morgan, 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 honey, we, we, you said you wanted to learn how to do that. No, but, and then she, in her own little words, I don't know, five years old, she's like, but those are not my people. And I'm like, I don't care if there's your people. I paid for those people. Go. Go, child, go. And she reluctantly, she reluctantly went. And so they, had, they were doing this little circuit or whatever. And she's just like, I don't want to go. I'm like, go. I don't want to go. She's like, oh. she does a balance beam. Kind of like this, you know. And then she goes around. And some girl said something to her. And she's just like being rude. And, you know, and she comes around. And then she looks at me like, Daddy, there are my people. And the next time around, this girl's like, hey, what's your name? Morgan. I like your outfit. I like your outfit. It's so cute. Oh, really? That's nice. That's okay, Dad. It's a little bit better. And then she goes one more time. This girl's like, oh, my gosh, you're so good at those. Really? You think I'm good at those? That's awesome. Really? Hey, Dad, it's not so bad. I mean, next time around, she's like, hey, you want to come over to my house? Yeah, really? You want to be my friend? Oh, my God. Woo! Woo! Dad, this is awesome. Oh, my gosh. These people are incredible. Honey, we got to go. We have to go. We have to go. They'll become your people. You just have to go around a few times. Get over it. You need friends, like, that you can do life with, and you're going to have to have a couple awkward moments, everybody. I'm so out of breath. <sighs> we'll always be as sick as our secrets. You need a place where you can tell the truth, everybody, and come clean and connect with other believers in a small group. You need to be around like-minded people that are going to help you grow and move forward. And here's the last one. All of that doesn't work, though, if you don't know God. The first three things are all connected to the power that comes in relationship with God. I would be remiss... If I made it all about the process, it's all about the person of Jesus Christ. Listen, I want to say this and declare this at a Vision Sunday. I would rather you join Jesus than join this church. Absolutely. But in order for you to be successful in your relationship with Jesus, you're going to need people. And you need to do a journey. You need to go on a journey with people that are like you. It's amazing what happens when you do life with other people. So how do we find God's vision for our life? It's found when we make a difference. Real joy is there. How do we figure out why I'm here and discover there's a purpose for our life? How do we settle our yesterdays? We've got to know God, and God wants to know you. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus spells it out. He says, listen, he says, he's talking to his crowd, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Here's the thing. 
you've got to get to a place where you opt out of running your life and surrender it. That's what it really means kind of to deny yourself. See, we're, if we think we can save ourselves, this is saying you're going to lose it. Ultimately, ultimately. You say, I'm doing pretty good right now. Ultimately, you're going to lose it. Last I checked, 100% chance we all die. 100%. You can eat organic, you're still going to die. You're just going to die with a nasty taste in your mouth, everybody. I'm going to have sugar on my lips, that's all I know. <laughs> but, but whoever loses his life for my sake, for my sake, and the gospel will save it. Amen? And so here's what happens. Last two points. God can do more with my life than I can. Opt out of leading your own life. Give Jesus the wheel of your life. And all you need to do is you need to commit your life to Jesus. Commit. You can leave that up there on the screen. Would you stand on your feet? I want to pray for you guys. Thank you, Jesus. Just be very, very still. This is a really important time, if you, would, if you wouldn't mind. Would you just close your eyes? And, and the reason we're closing our eyes right now is not just to not look around and honor the person to your right or to your left, but it's to look at your own heart. I'm asking you to close your eyes and look at your own heart. Because your, your heart is bringing a certain amount of light into your life. And based on your relationship with or without God, if it's without God, it's definitely affecting you. If it's with God, but it might have certain disconnections that God wants to fix. I pray this enlightened you today. God has a, God, God wants you to make a difference. He wants you to find your purpose. He wants you to be free. And he wants you to know him or even know him better. If you're here today, and something that was said, something that was done, it connected with you, and you want to connect with God, that's why we're here. So I'm just going to ask you to boldly do something. I'm just going to ask you to say yes to God. And I'm going to pray with you in just a minute. And all you got to do is just got to raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I want to say yes to relationship. I want to know God. Would you pray for me? God bless you. There's three of you in the back. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Two more over here. That's awesome. Thank you. Two more over here. That's awesome. Yes, in the middle. I see you too. That's great. Is there anybody else in the middle? I'm missing. Just, yeah, you can look at me. God bless you, sister. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You two over there. That's awesome. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. It's so great. And those of you listening online, you can respond as well. Church, and those that raise your hand, everybody, would you pray this prayer with me? We've been there before, many of us. And for those of you for the first time, this prayer won't save you, but believe it in your heart will. Say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you better. And I want to make you known. Help me to find true freedom in relationship with people. Reveal to me in relationship my purpose so that I can make a difference. Father, I thank you for every person that said yes to Jesus, invited Jesus into their heart today. I thank you. That your, your word says the, the angels rejoice in heaven. There's a celebration because they said yes to God and they connected to God. And Lord, I pray that you help them in relationship with this local church or a church like it connect to their purpose in Jesus' name. And for that, this whole church rejoices. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap all over the room. God bless you. Come on, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. God bless you.